Welcome, welcome, welcome to yet another edition of Bagoons Barrage, the State of New England podcast. With me, your host, as always, Jake Donnelly, a.k.a. Bagoon. Well, things are getting kind of crazy here in the State of New England. Of course, Isaiah Thomas dropped 53 against the Washington Wizards, including 29 in the fourth quarter and overtime to propel the Celtics to a 2 to nothing lead in their series against the Washington Wizards. That series will head down to Washington, D.C. They will play their next game on Thursday. We'll see if Isaiah Thomas can continue to pretty much rip out the heart of the Washington Wizards. But if you've been paying attention to the Celtics this entire season, then you know that, quite frankly, that's nothing out of the ordinary. But before we get to that, we first have to go to Yawkey Way, to Lansdowne Street, to Fenway Park, where things are getting so crazy. And I mean this in the best of fashions because we have to look at what the Red Sox pitching staff has done against one particular player on the Baltimore Orioles. That, of course, is Manny Machado for our topic of the day. So we finally have some bad blood between the Boston Red Sox and a rival in the American League East. Now, historically speaking, you would think that it's the New York Yankees. Of course, back in 2004, the Red Sox and Yankees, they went toe-to-toe. They loved themselves some brawls. And, of course, it was Pedro Martinez who was the guy throwing at everybody and their brother. But now, in 2017, it is no longer the New York Yankees. It is now the Baltimore Orioles. And instead of Pedro Martinez, it is the guy that is doing his best Pedro Martinez impression and probably the best Pedro Martinez impression that we have seen since (laughs) Pedro Martinez. That, of course, is Chris Sale. Sale struck out 11 Orioles in last night's game. He has now struck out 10-plus guys in five starts this season, the first left-handed Red Sox pitcher to ever do that. He is on absolute fire out there on the mound. And what did he do in the very first inning? The thing that every single Red Sox pitcher should have done when they faced Manny Machado for the first time, that was throw at him. First guy gets up, Chris Sale strikes him out, then Adam Jones comes up. We'll talk about the standing ovation that I'm not exactly a big fan of, but he strikes out Adam Jones. He then comes up to Manny Machado, and where does the first pitch go? About two feet behind Manny Machado because Chris Sale understands what it means to be a dominant pitcher. It doesn't mean to pick up the wins. It doesn't mean to strike out guys. It means to intimidate. It means to strike fear into the hearts of opposing batters. He is the most intimidating pitcher that I think Major League Baseball has seen since Pedro Martinez, and he took it upon himself in that first at-bat against Manny Machado to go right after Machado, who, remember, has a history of being a punk. Of course, everything started uh, the last series in Baltimore between the Red Sox and the Orioles when Machado spiked Dustin Pedroia. Now, there are two ways to look at that slide, and I've heard people kind of gloss over this, but it needs to be said as many times as possible to get this point across. There are only two and two ways to look at that slide by Machado. Either A, he wanted to take out Dustin Pedroia and spike 
Pedroia because you want spikes up, which is something that has been bad form, especially on a reach outside of the baselines. That's been bad form since the days of Ty Cobb. So that's one. Either Machado wanted to take out Dustin Pedroia and did so, or two, he didn't mean to do that, and he is such a bad slider that his slides are actually injurious to other players and that they can cause harm. And he said it after the game in his epic hissy fit that he threw, which had about 500 F-bombs. He goes, oh, I didn't do it on purpose. It was an accident. Okay, no. If it was an accident, then you're an awful slider, and you need to never slide when going into second base because that was one of the worst slides I have ever seen. It was way too late, and you went with your spikes up. You could see he was – he could kind of realize what he was doing as he was doing it. Sometimes as a player, you just react, and he went to react. But he kept his spikes up through the second base bag, ends up spiking Pedroia, misses a couple of days. Okay, so that's step one to this entire process. Step two is the fact that the Red Sox then screwed up. They have Stephen Wright going the next day, and you can't have a knuckleballer throw out Machado, so nothing happens. Then Eduardo Rodriguez, he starts in the next game after Stephen Wright, throws at Machado three times. Not a good job because he's going like for his shins or something. And didn't really get the point across. Then Matt Barnes comes up and turns the tables as to how everybody is going to look at the situation because he throws at Manny Machado's head, which is something you absolutely do not do. You can throw at a guy, and there is easy. It's pretty much from the knees up all the way to about uh, the breast. Like, you can go from about three to four inches below the shoulders to the knees. That's a wide swath that you can just go, whoop, and I'm going to peg this guy. But Barnes, who was missing high most of that outing, ends up throwing high to Machado. So now the Orioles have to go and throw at the Red Sox. And that's exactly what happened two nights ago when uh, Dylan Bundy ended up throwing at Mookie Betts, hits Betts in the thigh, boom, that's great. But what everybody overlooked, at least in my opinion, when the Orioles went after the Red Sox nominal best player and a guy that hit nine home runs against the Orioles last season, what's the fact that Manny Machado later in the game off of Rick Porcello hit a monster blast and totally admired it. He looked at it. He could have camped out, lit himself a candlelight dinner, poured himself a couple of glasses of wine. He admired it like he was looking at the Mona Lisa. All right. He loved to look at that home run, and it was a gargantuan blast. But here's the thing. If you want to act like a punk and you want to admire your shot, and Hanley does it, David Ortiz does it, and I said it every single time that David Ortiz used to do it or anybody does it. If you want to admire your shot, absolutely. Go ahead, be my guest. Expect, though, to get the next ball put into your ribs. And what did Machado do? He hits the home run off of Porcello, and he looks at it. So the next time that a Red Sox starter has Machado, regardless of this entire incident with Dustin Pedroia, in my opinion, if you hit that home run and look at it, the next time you're up against a pitcher that can really toss the pill, expect to get hit. So what happens with everything, clearly sale is going to go out there. If he is a leader of the team, he is going to go out there and he is going to throw at Machado. So what happens? Machado, he enjoys the shot he hits off of Porcello. His next at-bat against the guy that throws 95-plus against Sale, it's two feet behind him. 
awesome. Machado takes umbrage to it because and you saw it during the game. He's talking about how Barnes, well, they threw at my head, and he used some other really colorful words there. But he goes, oh, they threw at my head, and now they're throwing behind me? How about you not watch your home run? How about you just play the game and stop being a punk? I don't like it when Hanley Ramirez did it, but he did it twice last night because the Red Sox end up winning 5-2. Go up there and your next at bat, hit a home run if you don't like being yelled at. And that's what Machado did. That's fine. But there's this theory that bad blood is somehow something that shouldn't be in the game any longer, that you shouldn't throw at guys. No, you shouldn't throw at guys' heads. If you throw at a guy's head, yes, a bad thing. But if you want to get back that inside part of the plate, if you want to establish yourself as a major league pitcher and a pitcher that needs to be reckoned with, throw at people. Peg a guy. If he is leaning up and everybody now has the 18 pounds of armor hanging over the strike zone, throw at somebody. Get them to back off of the plate. Chris Sale is one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball at throwing inside, and he's not afraid, obviously, to throw at guys. We saw that. We saw it. He took it upon himself to say, look, Machado, you've been acting like a punk in pretty much every single game that you have played against the Red Sox this season. I'm going to throw at you because punks deserve to be thrown at. He didn't throw it at his head. He kept it low, a little bit above the knees, I believe. Perfect. That's exactly what you should do. Now, the Orioles, they can come back and they can throw out Mookie Betts again. That's great. You want to know what happens? Probably a brawl. Not a problem. Okay, these are good things. People get excited about this type of baseball. There is this feeling now in 2017 that everybody has to be friends with one another. That's not fun to watch. You want to know what's awesome to watch? Guys throwing at one another. Teams behaving like it's the 1960s, 70s, and 80s. Brushback pitches. Guys getting angry. Guys swearing at one another from home plate into the other dugout. That is awesome stuff. That is going to get people riveted to the TV. Everybody talks about the fact that uh, nobody's turning, uh, tuning in to watch baseball. Guess what they're doing right now when it comes to the Red Sox and the Orioles? Everybody is tuning in. ESPN sends 12 updates from the game last night because of what happened between Manny Machado and the Boston Red Sox, right? This is good stuff. I do not understand how people are taking a look at what is happening between the Boston Red Sox and the Baltimore Orioles and going, mm, they need to kind of, you know, bring it down just a scotch. No, screw that. Bring me the heat. Bring me the passion. I like the stuff that is not fabricated whatsoever. When it is real, and I believe everything that we have seen between the Red Sox and the Orioles is real baseball. That's how the game is supposed to be played. Step one, guy on one team takes out one of the best players on the other team with a dirty play, whether intentional or not, it is still a dirty play. Okay, that guy needs to be thrown out. Where this got twisted was because the Red Sox threw at Machado's head. Now, instead of the situation being over, the Red Sox hitting Machado, which is, that would have ended in Baltimore. You throw at the head, now the Orioles have to come back and throw at a Red Sox player. Boom, they did that. But then Machado goes and he stares down a home run off of the reigning Cy Young winner in the AL. Okay, now we flip it back where a guy should be thrown at. And that's great. But Machado throws a hissy fit. He can't handle the fact that he's being thrown at. Well, if you don't want to be thrown at, 
Don't act like a punk. This is some pretty simple stuff. How many times is Dustin Pedroia thrown at? Pedroia runs out everything. Pedroia can be a little bit of a punk because he loves to run his mouth, and he actually had um, an issue, and what he said after the incident with Manny Machado kind of made this even worse, but when it comes to how he plays on the field and none of the stuff that he says, there's no way that Pedroia ever gets thrown at because he doesn't act like a punk. Don't do that. It won't happen. It's a pretty easy thing. You don't want to get arrested. Don't do anything illegal. You don't want to get thrown at. Don't act like a punk. These are easy things to figure out. But Machado, that's kind of what he does. It's been his reputation since he made the Major League Club with the Baltimore Orioles. There were some rumors about how he acted in the minor leagues as well. So this is nothing new for Manny Machado. All right. So talking about all the stuff that I do not like in terms of things being fabricated, the standing ovation with Adam Jones. Now, of course, what happened at Fenway Park the other night was reprehensible. There's no other way to say it. If somebody throws a bag of peanuts at Adam Jones from just outside the dugout, no, don't do that. If you hear somebody dropping N-bombs in the bleachers, you can't do that either. But where this gets absolutely just, I do not understand how people react is then, if you want to stop the racism, okay, stop the racism. Don't then the next day come up and do this fabricated standing ovation. I understand Chris Sale. I understand that Mookie Betts both wanted Red Sox Nation to do it. But if you're not doing it because you want to, but you're doing it because other people are telling you to, that is not a genuine act. Everybody's coming up. Stephen A. Smith uh, today, he ends up saying, oh, the standing ovation by Fenway Park went a long way to healing the incident with Adam Jones. Now, I appreciate that Adam Jones took the time out to give that little head nod and say thank you to the Fenway fans. I think that Chris Sale did the right thing by not pitching quickly. Remember, this is one of the quickest pitchers, quickest workers in Major League Baseball, but Sale took his time and allowed this to happen. Okay, that act in of itself is a good act. Yes. But if you have to stand there and be told what to do, then that's not who you are. It's not something that is coming genuine from you. And you could tell with the people in the background from the shot, it was because Jones is a right-handed batter. You could see it. Behind Jones, people are whacking their like drunk little seal. Or, 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 or. They're clapping behind like somebody's twirling them like a jack-in-the-box. If you're not making a genuine effort, if this is not a genuine act, then what's the point of it? I understand the standing ovation to show your togetherness with Adam Jones. I totally get that. But if you're not one of those people who the day before saw the guy throw the peanuts or heard the guy or heard couple of different guys, drop the N-bomb, if you don't come out at that time and say this is unacceptable and call that person out, then you are part of the problem. You can't then retroactively come back and say, oh, yeah, 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 no, 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 um, I'm not racist. And it's all that was. That ovation was virtue signaling. It was pandering to everybody else. I get that sale and Mookie Betts, the two guys who are, uh, from what I can tell now, the nominal leaders of the Boston Red Sox, they were the guys that wanted the fans to do it. I wish that they did not say it. I wish that there wasn't this thought 
beforehand. And this was not a storyline before the game. Because I wanted to see what the actual genuine reaction from Fenway Park was. If there was not a single person that talked about this incident and said, here is how to react, I wanted to see how this was going to go. I wanted to see what the natural response was. Because this was fabricated. Too many people came out and said, hey, you need to do this. Again, if you need to be told what to do, if you need to be told what is moral and immoral, you don't have a good base. You're not... Your morality is askew. So if you need to go out there and then wait for somebody else to tell you what is right and wrong, you need to look at yourself and figure things out. Maybe the problem that people have with Fenway and people have with Boston is the fact that people need to be told what is right and wrong. They need to be told to give Adam Jones a standing ovation, okay? If you can't figure it out for yourself, there's no help for you. Or maybe the help that there is is that there's 35 other people just hammering you on the head with what is right. But it's a shame and it's an embarrassment that the night before, there weren't more people that came out and said, pulled out the iPhone, pulled out their Samsung and whatever, and recorded the incident and immediately told that person that you cannot do this. Just because somebody has a higher melanin content, you're treating him differently. There's a difference between heckling and there's a difference between making racist remarks. If you don't understand the difference, there's many different things that are wrong with you. But again, it's the fabricated standing ovation that I have the problem with. I don't necessarily have the problem with the standing ovation in of itself as an act. I have a problem with the fact that people needed to be told, apparently, the correct thing, what to do in Boston. If you need to be told what to do, you need to work on yourself more than anything else. That brings us to the last subject when it comes to the Red Sox. Petroy, I mentioned it, had the comments after the Machado incident, and they turned everything out of whack, right? So after the remarks by Pedroia, everybody thought that, sorry, before the remarks by Pedroia, everybody thought that he was the leader in the clubhouse. He comes out and pretty much throws his own team under the bus, especially with that back and forth with Machado during the game, a game of which Pedroia couldn't play because he was spiked by Machado. He pretty much throws his team under the bus. Awful thing that's not something a leader does. My immediate reaction was, Dustin Pedroia is not the guy that everybody thinks he is in terms of being able to be the leader for the Boston Red Sox. So then we go about a week and a half with, you know, no leader. Who's the guy that's going to really get the Red Sox and bring them together? Almost never. Never, ever, ever, ever can you have a starting pitcher be the guy that is the leader because that guy only pitches once every five days. He does not have the most effect on the game that a guy that plays center field or second base um, 95% of the season does, right? But there are few times when somebody is so good and he's so dominant and he knows what he's doing and pitches and plays with such conviction that he can become the leader. And that's what we're seeing with Chris Sale. He throws that Machado and he says to the rest of the Red Sox, this is how we're going to play. Remember, this is a Chris Sale guy who is kind of crazy. He cuts up 
because he doesn't want to pitch with the weird uniforms that the White Sox had him last year. Remember, he cut up the uniforms. This guy's got a couple of screws loose. That's what you want. You want a leader that is going to take the reins in a situation and say, this is what we're doing. I do not care about anything else. After the game, Machado has that epic rant with like 500 F-bombs. And then apparently, uh, I think it was Tom Karen tells Sale, you know, Machado really didn't like it. He had some strong words for you. And Sale's response, perfect. I'm not going to lose any sleep about it. There you go. All right? You do you if you're the Boston Red Sox, if you're Chris Sale. If nobody else wants to, fine. They don't have to follow him. But if you want to be a team that has to be reckoned with, that has to be feared, and people should have to really bring their A game to beat, which hasn't been the case this season, I, I, I don't get it. Go after the guys. Be the bad team. Have that bad blood. Because it looks like the Red Sox, when they want to play with some bad blood, it looks like to me, they're a little bit better team. Now, of course, the 5-2 victory helps because you have Sale on the mound striking out 11 guys, and Hanley Ramirez is in one of his hot zones. He had another two home runs last night, both of them taters. But to me, if you want to be the type of team that others worry about when they see you on the schedule, if you want to be one of those teams, you have to play like you are an intimidating team like the guys that are out there on the mound when the guys step into the batter's box. You want to strike fear into your opponents, whether you have a bat in your hand or whether you have a ball in your hand. That's what you want to do. You want to put the other team on their back foot. Yeah, that's the type of team that will win the American League East, not this team that's like, oh, you know, we threw at Manny Machado and all this other stuff. No. Be the dominant team. Be the intimidating team. And I think we saw Chris Sale telling the rest of the Boston Red Sox, no more of this wishy-washy crap. We're going to be a team that has to be reckoned with going forward. All right, so not surprisingly, that rant <laughs> went a little bit long. But after the Red Sox, not the only team right now that is really getting things done. I mentioned it at the top of the podcast that the Boston Celtics really ran roughshod in the second half over, and I should say more importantly in overtime, over the Washington Wizards. Another lead, another double-digit lead in the first quarter for the Wizards as they put up 42 points in the first quarter. But apparently the Boston Celtics are just playing with difficulty level, trying to go uh, all-star difficulty level trying to see how much they can be behind by before they start to get themselves back into the game. But they allow 42 points in the first quarter, have a decent second where they bring it to within six. Their third quarter was good. and that it, Sorry, their third quarter was awful as they went behind again by double digits. I believe the deficit at one point was 16, but then it's the fourth quarter. And the fourth quarter means the five foot eight guy from Tacoma, Washington, sorry, five nine, guy from Tacoma, Washington, Isaiah Thomas, the king of the fourth. 29 points in the fourth quarter and overtime for Isaiah Thomas. I mean, what else can you say? Apparently, he had oral surgery that took four to five hours on Tuesday was trying to get all of the swelling down before game time. I guess it was still a little bit swollen during the game, but he just comes out and he lights it on fire. And this is a game 
in which John Wall was so good. Uh, like, uh, people are all talking rightfully so with the 53 points that Isaiah Thomas put up. But John Wall in the first quarter was a man possessed. But then it was Isaiah Thomas late in the game. It's just what he does. The harder the situation, the more that the Boston Celtics need to lean on him, the better he comes through, the better he plays. Thomas ends up with a line of 53 points on 33 shots. He goes 5 for 12 from three-point land. Misses just one free throw as he took 13, was driving to the basket all game long. Utilizing, by the way, that mid-range pull-up jumper, we saw him start to do it in game three against the Chicago Bulls, and that really started to turn the series around. And since then, he's been using it a lot, and it's really turned his offensive game around. He couldn't make a three if his life depended on it in the series against the Bulls, but here against the Wizards, all of a sudden he's using that mid-range while incorporating the drives to the rim, and obviously that's opening up the deep shot. So he hits five three-pointers in last night's game, gets to the line 13 times, but his line ends up being 53 points, four rebounds, four assists, just the two turnovers, but he also collected three steals and was third on the team in plus-minus, if you like that stat, with a plus-10. In case you did not know, the highest plus-minus for the Celtics and for anybody in the entire postseason at 96 is Terry Rozier, who played 25 minutes. He poured in 12 points. He had two threes, and the two threes were huge, including a big one towards the tail end of the fourth quarter from the right side corner off of a great feed from Isaiah Thomas. But Rozier got to the line also four times, hit all of his free throws. He had six rebounds, did Rozier, four assists, didn't turn the ball over once, and added a steal. And a plus-minus in last night's game, a plus-25, right? So that's what you're getting. You were wondering about secondary scoring and tertiary scoring for the Celtics. Well, Isaiah Thomas, 53. Al, Hor uh, Al Horford, 15. Jay Crowder and Avery Bradley, 14. Jalen Brown, 4. Rozier, 12. Smart, 9. Olenek, 8, right? That's good scoring. That's good distribution. It helps when one guy goes for 53. But that's exactly the type of game that the Celtics wanted to play. Al Horford once again, dominating performance. 15 points, 12 rebounds, 3 offensive rebounds. And he also had 3 assists and a pair of blocks with 1 steal. The Celtics did a good job ripping the ball out of the hands and poking it free from the Wizards. They collected 11 steals in the game. Turned the ball over 16 times, which obviously is a ton. But when it mattered most in the late minutes of the fourth quarter and overtime, they gave it to Isaiah Thomas. And I, Thomas, he hit, hit the shot when he needed to, passed it when he had to, just did everything. And there was a big steal by Avery Bradley in overtime, a guy who is clearly having some issues with the hip pointer, but still, Bradley is playing his game right now, and so too are the Celtics. Marcus Smart, a guy who I always say makes winning plays, played 39 minutes in last night's game, had the nine points, as I mentioned, went one for four from three, awful at the line, two for six, four rebounds, five assists, turned it over three times, two steals and a block, but 
out of his four rebounds, three of them offensive. He really got the Celtics going in overtime with that big offensive rebound about a minute and 20 seconds into the overtime frame. And that's what it is. It's everybody's contributing for the Celtics. And when crunch time comes, they get it to their man. They get it to the best crunch time player in the NBA today. And that is Isaiah Thomas. And that's not me uh, being a homer and drinking the green Kool-Aid, as uh, Dan Greenberg, Stool Greeny from Barstool Sports likes to say. Isaiah Thomas, 9.8 points in the fourth quarter per, uh, sorry, per fourth quarter during the regular season, 9.8 points in the fourth quarter this regular season, and we're seeing it here in the playoffs. Everybody talking about how the defense gets better and he's not going to be able to step up. Yeah, wrong. 29 points in the fourth quarter and overtime for Isaiah Thomas. The Celtics have themselves a 2 to nothing lead over the Washington Wizards as things are going crazy Right now in Boston, Isaiah Thomas is an absolute manimal at five foot nine, just a machine. Fifty-three points in last night's game, and we're gonna have some fireworks more than likely tonight when the Red Sox and Orioles play. Definitely DVR that one because the Orioles are gonna come out and they're gonna throw at the Red Sox, and I say good. They should. This is good baseball. This is interesting baseball. You want the ratings to go back up. You want ESPN to pick up the game randomly on a Monday night. Yeah, you want that? You want the national TV audience to tune in to baseball? Stop doing the stupid Addison Russell Pokemon interview in the third inning with Jessica Mendoza, ESPN, and baseball tonight. One of the worst segments I have ever seen. I watched the entire game on mute and Goodness, was that a great decision by yours truly. So I didn't have to listen to that crap. Stop trying to make baseball something it isn't. Go back to what made baseball great. And what I mean by that is go back to the bad blood. Go back to the way it was played a couple of decades ago when people wanted to bean one another because they were crowning the plate too much. Take a look at what Bob Gibson used to do. You went inside on Bob Gibson. Uh, Gibson, you wanted to crowd that plate. You expected one in your ribs. You want to crowd the plate against Chris Sale? Get one in the ribs. You want to look at a monster home run, which is a great thing that you did? You want to look at it? Manny Ramirez, Manny Machado? Expect one in your ribs. I don't care. Let me see the bean balls. Let me see the bad blood. I want to be riveted. I do not want to turn the channel for one second when I'm watching baseball. And especially with the way that the Red Sox have been playing offensively this season. When the Red Sox are at the dish, it has been, at least this season, just some of the most boring baseball in the world. Their pitching has been fun to watch. And now this series against the Orioles, which had a ton of TNT placed underneath it at the start of this series... Yeah, it looks like those wicks have been lit, and I can't wait to see everything get blown up tonight between the Orioles and the Red Sox. And you know who else can't? The rest of the country. Everybody's going to be tuned in watching what happens between the Red Sox and the Orioles. So you talk about a sport that is having viewership problems, people aren't tuning in, and they're not staying for the duration of the game. Here's Chris Sale, a guy that works faster than anybody else in baseball, And 
he is somebody that you're going to watch the entire game of because he can strike out 15 guys in an outing. And oh yeah, apparently he's also going to throw at you, which brings that bad blood to the table. And everybody likes drama. Right? That's why you have stupid reality television, because people want to see drama, quote unquote, because it's not fabricated. Again, air quotes going around everywhere here in Suffield, Connecticut. But yeah, you want to see real drama? Let's see what happens when the Red Sox and the Orioles go after one another tonight. I can't wait. I'm going to make myself some popcorn. I'm going to put it up on the stove right there. I'm going to get some butter. I'm going to get some garlic. It's going to be a lot of popcorn. I'll probably pour myself some whiskey because I got into a car accident because some jackrabbit ended up running a red light last night when I had a blinking yellow versus a blinking red. Meh, T-bone them, whatever. It feels like I just played a football game. But I'm going to pour myself some whiskey. I'm going to have my garlic butter popcorn. I'm going to sit and I'm going to watch what's probably going to be one of the most entertaining regular season games of the season, and it is only May 3rd. I can't wait for it. I hope you tune in as well, whether you're watching out of Masson down in the D.C. Baltimore area or if you're watching it on Nesson here in New England. All right, that will do it here from New England as everything right now is awesome. I'm geared up, obviously. Things are great. The Celtics are up 2-0 on the Washington Wizards. Isaiah Thomas is kind of trying to search and propel himself into that hallowed area of like the McHale Parish Bird Russell and Paul Pierce with how he's played this postseason. And the Red Sox, they've got real bad blood brewing between them and the Baltimore Orioles. All right, folks, thanks for tuning in. This has been another edition of Bagoon's Barrage, the state of New England podcast with me, Jake Donnelly, a.k.a. Bagoon. I hope wherever you are and whenever you are listening to this one, you are safe and healthy and enjoying life as always. And as always, go New England.